0: Welcome
4: back to Bat Force Radio, recording live during the weekend of 2019 San Diego Comic-Con. Let's take a quick trip around the round table. We've got the Grumpler in New York. Whiskey. Grandpa Batman in Texas. Howdy. Bat Force Tom in California. Howdy ho. And I'm Robin Cross from Canada, but tonight recording on location from a hotel room in San Diego.
2: Damn.
3: Damn.
4: We are ready to roll here. So in October of 2017, DC Comics released the first issue of Sean Murphy and Matt Hollingsworth's Batman White Knight. The eight-issue run was an immediate and continued success, as each issue was a top-ten seller, even in the midst of major event titles from both Marvel and DC. Since the book's conclusion, the series was released in a trade paperback and a hardcover as a number one bestseller. Amidst the continued popularity, the expected sequel was announced, and we learned that the introduction of Asriel would be a large part in Curse of the White Knight. On Wednesday, July twenty fourth, issue one will finally hit the shelves. And returning to the show to take us through everything to expect is Mr. Sean Murph.
1: Are you guys? Are you guys, yeah. my exclusive. Uh, this is my exclusive podcast. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 What Our do you think?
4: Pleasure, you're... you're not allowed to go anywhere else as I am. I know.
1: What did you guys? What did you do right to earn my loyalty? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> we well, buy, you we buy all your original though. art
0: for starters. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, keep, keep those page,
1: pages, uh, keep those pages
2: warm for me, Sean. That Batman page. Yeah, I'm yeah. Plus, like, I got, payments. I bought you guys hookers
1: and got you, you know, drunk. So it is all that. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate that more than anything. I gotta tell you, it's sending a hooker to Canada not cheap. <laughs> But it was
4: worth it, i got to say. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's so clean up there, they don't have their own.
4: She <laughs> got belt there, so you bettered your life. <laughs> we
1: said I sent a she.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was a secret. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome.
1: How you guys doing? Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Awesome.
4: Cool, uh, we just saw a tweet from you that uh, your new ride arrived.
1: So oh, it looks yeah. Like- Good for you. Yeah, I've been all day. There's no air conditioning. So I've been driving around 95 degree humidity in a Datsun with vinyl seats. Um, but, you know, it's been two and a half years of waiting. So I'm just I smell like shit right now. You guys luckily can't see that. <laughs> I didn't
2: go driving and I smell like shit, though. So that's cool. <laughs> Man, that,
0: that is a, that is a The con all weekend.
1: That's great. I didn't know you guys. How many of you were at the show? There was two of us.
2: Three,
0: uh, three total yeah, legends. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, three.
2: Robin and I. Oh, I was telling the guys, I, I'm I'm skipping the 30th anniversary uh, Batman 89 panel to be uh, recording with you. What? Dude. Yeah, man. It's well, not too late to change your mind. It's okay. Go broad- broadcast it somewhere. I figured because <laughs> that's the past, but you're the future, my friend. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah. I remember last time you guys said that I was my book was the only one that collectively got all of your seals of approval very yeah, yeah. very hard did. yeah Hoping did the sequel is that way too and if it's not true then don't tell me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well well what we can say is that collectively we are after reading the first issue we are really excited about this run um cool. but before we even get into that what we usually do is ask how's life been since the last time we talked to you like how's like and working on uh this new one is it uh is is it more of like um working grinds or are you getting more comfortable running your own uh drawing slash writing series or what's uh, i've been uh,
1: putting i've been building a studio in my backyard i've been converting a carriage house into uh, a gym slash garage slash studio uh so i'm in it now it's two months ago it was finally finished so i have like a proper working environment now which is which is really helpful um yeah, you know, I think with the sequel, the thing that I really wanted to do was just do a very different type of story, like not get so political so much, and sort of delve into the past, talk about how Gotham started in my universe, and how far the Waynes go back, how far Joker and Azrael might go back, you know, that kind of thing. It to me, it feels more like a traditional comic book story, less more of like a or a, a criticism of Batman and Gotham. If that if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: It definitely feels right off the gate with that
1: first issue that uh, tone's t-
2: totally different, you know? Yeah. Gothic gothic feel with, like, that old-school scene. So it's, uh, you know, shifting gears, like you say, and yeah. immediately kind of taking you back to, like, a little history.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, my thinking with the first one was it was kind of a, a critique on Gotham now. So because I got greenlit for a sequel, I was like, well, let's get to the past. And then if I get a volume three, I'll probably dive into Batman Beyond and get into the future. <sighs>
3: Ooh. I like I like that it you're writing basically two stories at once so it's not always so linear <clears throat> oh yeah yeah that's just sort of the
1: trick I don't know I, I always I don't know why I always start off with a very linear type of story in my mind and then it, everything just gets complicated at some point and yeah I don't know I, I it's hard to keep track of like all the plates that I'm trying to spin you know <laughs>
0: mm. now you um I know you, know, you have a uh, experience writing prior to write your own Batman Run, and then um, I think if I remember correctly, you said you've read a lot of books and did a lot of research in terms of, you know, the craft yeah. of writing prior to going into it. Um, yeah. With, with this one, do you still practice that, or are you just fitting and feeling more comfortable in terms of yeah. how you're developing your stories and changing them?
1: My, my background is self-taught, sort of like uh, screenplays. So 90-minute mm-hmm. movie, movie, beginning, middle, end, three-act structure, you know, pretty basic stuff. Um, I didn't really stay as strict to this time. I just felt more comfortable sort of feeling it out as I went ahead. Um, but I definitely wanted to make each issue contained and that like by the end of issue one, you know, who the main protagonist antagonist is, what the story is basically about, where it's going. Everyone important is generally introduced. Like, I don't like it when you read an issue one and you feel like, okay, I don't really know what to think yet. I guess I'm going to have to buy issue two. So I wanted people to get this one and go, oh, it's all kind of here. I know where it's going. I feel like I've got a complete package, even though I've you know seven more to go. I feel like I get it already. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great little jump. I mean, yeah, it, it could be a good jumping on point. It could be something great continuously. Um, what is what has been kind of like the response from fans between uh, the last one and uh, working its way up to this one? Like, what have you seen people kind of saying online and stuff?
1: Um, most people like it. Uh, the biggest criticism I get is people don't think Gotham would ever forgive the Joker. They don't believe Joker would ever get off uh, of all the murders he created. Like, how could Joker never... How could you never prove the Joker killed anybody? And they're really hung up on, like, continuity, basically. And my response to that is, well, yeah, I'm asking you to imagine a version of Joker that's never really been caught except by Batman, and there's real, no no real evidence for it. And that's, like, the biggest thing I'm sort of asking you to accept and if a reader can't accept that then they're probably not gonna get into the rest of the story you know <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> but yeah, i'm they... definitely running into like old-time batman readers who have a hard time imagining anything different if that makes yeah. sense right yeah
0: so the the criticism is uh that the city can never forgive joker for s- ruining certain things but uh you should be yeah. like, well, have you seen who our president is at the moment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: people are willing to look past a lot of shit, so I don't, yeah. I don't yeah, think exactly. that's a problem. Well yeah, yeah. not not comic book
2: fans.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah most people are pretty reasonable and open and comic's are just a <clears throat> hobby. They don't take it so seriously, but every now and then I get like one out of a 200 that really is like this isn't Batman this isn't Joker this isn't Gotham and that's cool I mean I get those people those are the Wednesday warriors that you know we need them but yeah since
3: uh since the conclusion of uh you know the first White Knight and the the mass response to it there have been you know people putting out like custom action figures and all sorts of you know really (laughs) yeah What, you know, what what's your take on
1: that? I mean, uh, oh, I love it. That's awesome. Anything, yeah, if, if I can forward it all of it to DC and just keep nudging them like here, make some figures, make a diecast, you know. I mean, I feel like that stuff's probably coming. They they seem to get around to looking at the hits and go, "Okay, what can we do for a movie in 2 years? What do we have for action figures?" Like, let's, you know, they they generally get around to everything. So, I'm pretty sure that stuff's coming. Even though I haven't heard too much of it lately, but
3: that seems to be how it works, you know. You oh. got your own black and white statue like almost immediately.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that is I mean. true. That 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 turnaround time has to be a record because look how long it took Norm Bray for you to get one, bro. Like yeah, bro. I know. <laughs> you know <fuck> <clears throat>
1: yeah, normally I mean, it's like eighteen months on those. I think is the lead time. Mm. Yeah, I
4: was I was actually just talking to uh, Jim Fletcher at uh, that at the con yesterday uh, from DC Collectibles, mm. and we. Talked about the fact that you know they—they've just unveiled the 100th statue, and right. it's Todd McFarlane. And by the time Todd McFarlane gets one, you already have three.
1: <laughs> yeah, take that, Todd, Mr. Baseball.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand a big deal. I mean, I made plenty—plenty <laughs> plenty opportunity to get characters and figures in my statues, but whatever.
1: <laughs> oh man, I missed the voices, you guys. I really do appreciate this. <laughs> the and I, and last the, time I asked you for a Todd McFarlane for sorry for a Rob Liefeld voice, did you guys work on that? <laughs> Damn it. Uh, no, I, I, gotta, I gotta
2: work on it. I'll work on it. He's there all weekend. Don't we we fucking talk to me. <laughs> we
1: got we got Dan. Uh, I forget who else we got.
2: Yeah, Dan's so um, always around. You know, I'm always behind a, a chair, so just kind of keeping an eye out on everything. But uh, I need to get you get, get you back to work. I'm glad you got that studio so you can get some more writing and reading done over there. Thanks,
0: Dan. Yeah. So, so we finally got the. Um, The hardcover of Batman White Knight. And from what I understand, a deluxe hardcover was recently solicited, right, Robin? Yeah. uh, Yeah, so so that's awesome. Congratulations on that. And uh, from my, you know, we're on the street. I overhear from my uh, comic book shop and everyone that people just keep rebuying it. That Everybody that bought the trade is now buying the hardcover. Now they're like, I'm going to get the deluxe and, you know, they're hoping for... And yeah, a good turnaround time for an absolute because they feel like it's definitely destined for that and whatnot. So,
1: yeah, I'm pushing that too. I got all my um raw images saved. So if they wanted to put out like an unadjusted, like you can see all the eraser marks and smudges, they've got that stuff. So I, I mean, I don't know what the future is of absolute. I feel like if it makes money, they'll do it. So, you know, here's hoping.
0: I'm hoping yeah. like I'm hoping you're really spearheading something that is getting a lot of creatives thinking in terms of, you know, putting in that work and that <laughs> research and the time to, to create something, like you know, to learn how to balance art and writing or whatever it may be. Cause, uh, we had, uh, Lee Romero on two episodes ago and he was right. talking about how he absolutely loves what you're doing over in, and thinks, thinks that it's a really good thing for black label. Oh uh, yeah.
1: Uh, no, yeah. Lee and I are, are, are good buddies. We, uh, met in, um, France and we clicked right away. And, uh, I could we, we both feel like we're two people who ended up in comics who don't feel like we should have ended up in comics exactly.
0: i've i've always <laughs> like, called you two like like the rock stars of dc for some reason oh, you, you maybe guys, lee <laughs> lee is for sure <laughs> you, you guys have you definitely have your your personalities i could see meshing very well and uh and your <laughs> and, and the way you just um the, the way you focus on your work like you don't really cut corners you don't um
3: yeah. You no know, compromise, you. I should say. You know, yeah, I think thanks.
0: that's really important. You
1: yeah. know? Yeah, Lee Lee and I we're probably if he was here, I mean he would agree. We're probably equally hot-headed. Uh, we don't like people screwing around with us. Um, we're good if you let us do a thing and leave us alone. Um, yeah. It's uh he's a good really good dude, man. I, I haven't seen him for a while. I miss him. But yeah, I mean, he and I were comparing notes with Black Label was whatever with, with the they shifted the the focus on this is going to be adult comics this is going to be hbo it's going to be violent it's going to be this going to be that mm-hmm. and then um dc changed their mind and uh it wasn't clear what they really wanted us to do so lee and i were sort of looking at each other like did you did they talk to you like are we allowed to say swears anymore i mean obviously nudity is out like what the hell and you know he's like oh man you have no idea i had to redraw stuff." and You know, I got off easy because I generally wrote my book to be PG-13. You know, maybe a few swears here and there, but I didn't do what Lee did. I I didn't have to go and overhaul pages, you know, so he got the worst of it, I'd say. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we we both understand Batman isn't ours. Um, It would have been cool to do an adult book, but, you know, we're not the the gatekeepers on Batman. It is what it is. We both got, you know, well-paid for it, so what are you going (laughs) to do?
0: Not just creatives like you, you and him are the people that... I think pushed the medium forward. I was discussing this with him as well in terms of, you know, like you look at um, like European comics, which I think you're really well read in as well. And it's, yeah, Yeah, both of us. It's just the way I wish um, our side of the house would lean towards more. And I know the big two need to sell underwear and stuff like that. But (laughs) like Black Label was just this breath of fresh air was this new sense of optimism, like, oh, we could have yeah. mature comics dealing with these characters that have been around for 80 years because, you know, in yeah. the real world, this is the kind of stuff that would happen. This kind of um, imagery or this language would take place and the the right. the, the stories would feel more organic. And like Lee yeah. said, like he didn't even, you know, and there was nobody to throw under the bus. It was just exa- bad timing. It was just bad right. timing. So Yeah,
1: it was. And we all know that. And um, yeah, I think for a while Lee and I felt like he and I were alone on this cruise ship called Black Label and we were headed out to sea and there was no there was no one steering the ship, no one knowing what to do or say about it. Yeah. And everyone was talking about Black Label, but no one wanted to claim it because you didn't want to get fired. <laughs> yeah so my my goal has been
4: like you got joined by you got joined by scott greg and frank so
1: yeah thank god like superman year one came out scott's book came out because it was for a while it was just me and lee holding hands in a dinghy like hoping we didn't flip (laughs) over our our Uh, goal was to like (laughs) i want to sell books i want to do well but i don't want to do so well and get so much attention that i piss off the suits for some reason because Who knows what triggers them? Sometimes, you know.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, I think it's all sorted out now. I, I mean, I've always thought as black label is like platinum else else worlds, so to speak. Mm. You know. Yeah. Like you know, it's sort of like a movie in a way. Where if you've seen a movie or a game, every you know, you don't have to know a whole lot of Batman sub. Uh, history, you can just generally pick up a book, give it to your mom, and she can generally understand it. Mm. I think that's, for me in any way, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah,
0: Yeah. because continuity, the constraints that come with it are just, it, just, it does limit yeah. storytelling at this point, because yeah. it's just so congested, yeah. you know, and you have yeah. to yeah, so. To to
1: answer your question before, talking about uh, writers and artists, like, why don't more artists write, why don't we see more like, single vision type books, um, and I think like I mean, I, I would love it if artists would write more. I would love it if they had more ideas and took had, the, you know, I guess the bravery and yeah. had the schedule and the bandwidth to sort of do their own thing. But, you know, I've pushed I've been pushing that narrative for like 10 years and artists, most of them just don't want that. Like they say they do. They have a story like, oh, yeah, I got an idea, a guy with a gun who won't take no for an answer or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, generally Sin City kind of in a lot of ways. And But none of them really bother to research how to write or say no to yeah. work, turn work down just to write a script. Yeah. It's, like, it's just not in the cards for a lot of people. That's okay. So, like, I would love if we had a ton of successful black labels too. But I don't know how many talented people there are that are wired that way, you know.
0: That's exactly what I thought. It's, it's pretty evident in the writing. I think uh... – I think there's it's about ba- it's it's one of two things I think it's either ill prepared or overwhelmed you know one of the yeah. two when they're going into something like this because you think you know everyone th- yeah. a lot of people think they have this perfect great story but when it really comes time right. to break it down and you know structure it and and have right. the landing and everything it's and, and then you have to draw it you know it's uh it definitely yeah. takes experience and preparation yeah. and, and determination you got to want to do it as well like uh, yeah.
1: That's- uh, Totally. And you, so the difference for me is, you know, just to take Star Wars as an example, everyone in comics has an opinion on Star Wars. But if you're really meant to be a writer, you don't only have an opinion, you have a list of things you would fix and you can explain why you would fix it. And I think a lot of artists, they think they can write because they've absorbed it through osmosis or something like because they have opinions on star wars or whatever they think that they're they could write if they needed to but that's not really enough like you're looking at star wars as a fan not as a professional and a professional would look at those scripts and figure out how would i make it different you know and i'm not criticizing star wars one way or the other it's just that's sort of the different mindsets like when i talk to scott snyder he could tell me about star wars and how he would fix it If I talk to an artist about Star Wars, he's usually just complaining about Star Wars, (laughs) you know. Now,
4: I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, Yeah, sure. Obviously,
1: you had had
4: very successful uh, books in the past, but given the level of the success of White Knight, it did really well, obviously. Top 10 sales for every issue. Most of the issues going through multiple printings. (laughs) And then the trade paperback, the hardcover. Does that level of success, does that change life for you?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, when I go into comic book shops now, I get recognized more quickly. Um, people will see like a a tattoo on my hand or something, and you can tell like they're not sure if it's me, and then they're gonna come over and say something. It's great. I mean, I love it, and I'll usually try to break the ice first. Um, but I went from being like comfortably like embraced by artists, and you know, sort of the cult hit to a mainstream hit in the last year, and uh, it's been great. I mean, um, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm just happy that people like the book, honestly, you know, because I mean, when you hear an artist that's going to strike out and start writing his own stuff, it's always like, yeah, okay, but eventually you're going to get back to working with a real writer, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And my goal with this was to, like, really plant a fa- flag and go, no, I I sincerely want to be a writer. I take writing seriously. I'm, I don't have to be the best writer, but I, I do intend on, like, running with this football all the way down the field and I'm not going to let any of you stop me. You know, (laughs) I wish I could travel more and do more shows and, um, yeah, I'm just so busy trying to get these things out on time. Like I don't want to start basking in this, uh, notoriety. I I really want to stay focused on the work and try not to, you know, Mm. let it, Go to my head, I guess. I don't. I don't know.
0: Well, you do make your deadlines. We we spoke about that last <laughs> time. He would like. Dude, it's not, not much of a secret. Just make your fucking deadlines. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the curse of the White Knights hitting the shelves this week, and it's really exciting. So, um, while we wrap up this segment, what what would you like to tell potential readers about uh, the Curse of the White Knights?
1: So in White Knight, Joker unhinged Batman by completely turning Gotham against him and showing how corrupt the idea of Batman may or may not be uh, and as devastating as that was in curse Joker comes back again and shows Batman and Bruce Wayne not only is what you did problematic the Waynes have been doing problematic things for Gotham for centuries like this didn't start with you and me this started 300 years ago in a way and there's this curse that's in Gotham and the reason the Gotham is always uh you know filled with crime isn't necessarily because this is any other city there's something weird going on here and it has everything to do with with uh your bloodline and what you did 300 years ago oh shit i, I just wanted to draw a fiery sword if i'm honest <laughs>
3: <laughs> now were you a big fan of the azbat in nightfall I was I uh, I haven't read it for a long time, but I
1: the images the the work that like Casada did and uh, Kevin Nolan there's a whole group of people I'm probably going to forget here, but I remember the really amazing covers the '90s fabulousness of all of it the pouches, you know the Wolverine style armor I don't <laughs> know what you call it I remember it being really really awesome and um, uh the reason I chose Azrael I I had actually planned to ro- create a new character. Because, you know, like Neil Adams created Ra's al Ghul, you know, part of making your mark on Batman is making like an unforgettable villain or something. So I really wanted to try that. And I came up with an idea for a villain that was part of a cult that had been around for centuries. He had a sword. And the more I started laying it out, the more it appeared to me, I'm just doing Azrael. So I thought, man, it's been about 20 years since Azrael came out. Like, maybe it's time to reinvent him. Maybe he's like sort of forgotten enough that it's time to get him back to basics and like white knight him a bit you know in in my way so I called DC and I was like thinking about using Azrael. what are you guys doing with Azrael these days and they're like all right let me check so they take a week they get back to me and they're like we're sending Azrael into space <laughs> so I'm like okay <laughs> so you're obviously not doing anything with Azrael. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and they're like oh, I don't really know maybe we're not sure and I go by the way how does a fire sword work with no oxygen and they're like I don't know. <laughs> so I'm like, great. Time to reinvent him. <laughs> so, I'm like, so it seems like you guys are, not you know, they have other things they're doing. I don't know where he was or who was writing it, but they seem happy to let me go at it. I think they were surprised that I kind of picked him instead of somebody else. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I I love it, man. And especially getting back into this, like, uh, the nod to the 90s and stuff. I just think that, think that stuff's really cool. And uh, as I reread a lot of the Nightfall stuff, I, remind, I was reminded why I liked it so much. But I also saw a lot of opportunity for things that they didn't do. Mm. So I'm hoping to sort of push it further than,
0: than they did back mm. in the day. Oh, that, That's cool that you went back to Nightfall before you went into this. Uh, oh, you got it. Yeah, you got to go back to the source. Man, I, I love... Uh, what was it? Nightfall... Nights... Wh- I forgot what the middle night one was fan. called. Night, was Nights in the, Nights, <laughs> the Nights, middle one? Nights, Nights, quest was the was middle one? Yeah. Because that yeah. was just a long run of Asriel going out at night on patrol. And there was yeah. just such a stillness in the air when you read those comments yeah. when him by himself yeah. and going nuts and I was like fuck man this this yeah. uh, this character's a lot of depth. when I yeah when I heard you were taking on this character for the new one I was very interested cuz he is a fan favorite so uh yeah. that that is pretty cool how that all came to be and like you inquiring about him and <laughs> going into space like <laughs> Yeah, they really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure wrong. it works in
1: space. I don't know. Maybe there's like a glass around the sword so it can light up. And I don't know how it works. i just give a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, everyone. Make sure to tune back in to Bat Force Radio here on Wednesday, July 24th, when the curse of the White Knight number one hits the stands and we continue our conversation with Sean Murphy with spoilers and everything about this great first issue. All right, see you then. Bat Force Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to BatForce Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out, guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.